Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is another edition of the Sunday Card right here with you, Dan Zampano, my partner in crime, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silbreth, our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper Lou Paracone. It is officially summer. Memorial Day is gone and went, and now it's June is busting out all over, and OTAs are happening. We are in the thick of the offseason, and this is where we make our money because this is how things get done. We today will begin our quest to break down each division position by position. We will rank each positional group as we go along through the summer with you. But I'd be remiss, Maddie, if I didn't mention that you're wearing the hat tonight. The New York Rangers are not only in the Eastern Conference Finals and beat the Hurricanes, but they smacked around the two-time defending champions in game one. Welcome in, my friend. 1-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, and I I gave my whole spiel to Lou and Dan before the show. We had to have our our quick rant, my quick rant about the Rangers, and just I've never seen them beat another team this dominantly before in the playoffs since I've been alive and watching hockey, never mind doing it to the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Might have been a little rust versus rust situation, which we love to talk about, uh, you know, five weeks in the NFL season. But uh, we will see how game two goes. And then, you know, can't get, can't, you know, get the card ahead of the horse here. But we feel great coming off of game one. It's the only so, thing to say. That's, it's fantastic to see it. New York, no quit in New York. Uh, Igor Shosturkin is the man right now. You love the kid line, everything like that. I mean, it, it doesn't get better for you. Uh, obviously, I'm enjoying it myself. Uh, especially having that ticket for them to win the East did hedge out today after the lightning had lost because they're now plus one Oh five to win the series. So I do really like that. If you have a ticket on the Rangers, I think very good idea to, you know, obviously it's probably pretty high right now, but a good idea to hedge out. Other than that, NBA finals are also set. My Mavericks are out. Warriors are in. Who would have guessed? Boston Celtics, Lewis, are in the NBA Finals. Pretty interesting stuff here. Dan, I am still looking up different ways to bet this series. I am <laughs> literally looking right now. <laughs> We're about an hour away from tip, or no, about five minutes, or yeah, an hour away from tip. Oh, an hour. Late, not not, not eight o'clock, nine o'clock start. Nine o'clock, the San Francisco stuff. What are you going to do? People just getting home from work with all that traffic. You got to start <laughs> a little late. What do you want? You know, but uh, I, as a Knicks fan, It pains me, but I'm pretty much – I want to say I'm rooting for the Celtics because East Coast, but I could really root either way on this one. Steph Curry, Clay, and Dre get their fourth. Jason Tatum, Brown get their first. I I really won't be mad whoever wins. Which narrative feels a little stronger to me, Lou. It feels like it's leaning leaning a little west. The narrative feels like it's leaning west. Is it it Steph Curry time for him to finally win a finals MVP and – cement his legacy and all this stuff that and, i'm hearing that it will kill his legacy if he does not win and just so happened to tie lebron james with the amount of things <gasps> during the same era they played in the same era. that's a tough one narrative 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 we know how we feel about that but mm. i digress back to football we gotta, we gotta get on this football train you know i mean even in finals in conference finals and nba finals and all that stuff even then football still has its pull, does it not? I mean, it just does. And we will begin 
not with the positional rankings. We'll get to that in a second. Maddie, a couple of things have happened so far in this offseason, and particularly we didn't talk about it when it happened. The NFL schedule has been released, obviously, so we know where everybody is. That's why we've been betting those you know, over-unders and certain things like that from last week, the last two weeks going over it. I'm looking at the primetime games. Obviously, we open on a Thursday night. We open on NBC, uh, new broadcast teams all across the board, but we get Rams, Bills to open up, and then some really solid like divisional matchups to begin the, se- the, the season. We get Chiefs and Chargers, uh, all on Amazon, by the way. We get um, Steelers-Browns in the opening. I like some of these. We get Steelers, uh, Steelers. We get Bills Patriots way late in the season, like week 13, which will be fantastic. Raiders at Rams. There's a lot of really interesting things. This is not your, this is not your younger brother's Thursday night football schedule. There's some good stuff here. Oh, and how about the Broncos have, I think, like five primetime games in like the yeah. first six weeks? There's four or five primetime games literally in the first six weeks. For the Broncos, it's crazy. That makes me nervous because now it's like the potential, you know, oh, the hype and the potential around this team. That makes me nervous as hell. But I do like it when they keep it to divisional matchups because those are, you know, no matter what, those games are going to be good. And then they do a good job of also kind of calling back on this last year's playoffs. Like we get Titans and Bills again. Uh, And, you know, you get some of these some of these games that these rivalries have churned up over the past couple of years with these deeper playoff runs. So. Definitely a good schedule, uh, I think. You know, again, there's only I feel like you can only really judge it till about week eight because then this league we know these teams are going to flip, and there's going to be a couple of these teams that we're looking at now saying, "Oh, this week twelve matchup's going to be great," and one of them will fall flat, be a dud, have an injury, something yeah. like that, and we'll just be like, "Why can don't we have the flex? Don't we have the flex for tonight? Can't we get this off of Sunday night football?" So a great uh, little tidbit that we found out about the programming is that. Next year, the flex now will be, it will not be just exclusively AFC, NFC for Fox and CBS. NBC is now going to get the opportunity to flex more games earlier in the season. So that's kind of interesting that that's going to happen. There's going into next year. We'll actually get to see better matchups late, but you know, it's not like, you know, there's some dud matchups here. Like some of them, I would say, I mean, like, I don't know how many people are going to tune into, you know, Bears Washington in week six or something like that. But, you know, there's solid Thursday night games. The Sunday night games are obviously fascinating. I mean, we've got Rams bills and then we've got Bucks Cowboys right off the bat. Of course, we have our annual Bears Packers every year. Is it a week two every year? Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's unbelievable that it is. But we have Chiefs Bucks on Sunday night. That'll be a great matchup. Uh, We'll get a lot of AFC North stuff. We've got Bengals Ravens. We've got Bengals Steelers late in the year. Um, you know, we've got Packers bills late in the year, um, or in the middle of the year there. I mean, there's going to be some really, really good, like solid Sunday night games that we'll have. And even the Monday night games, by the way, the Patriots have like a hundred, uh, I think there's a stretch where like week 13 to like week 17 that the Patriots are not playing during the day or like they're playing in all these crazy places, playing on Thanksgiving night, playing on Sunday night, like. It's nuts. So they're going to be all over the map. The Packers are going to be all over the map. Packers, Patriots, a lot of Broncos as well with Russell Wilson being over there. Lots of good stuff going on on this schedule, I think, huh? Yeah, it looks like I'm just realizing that now. Like you said, early season, it's going to be the Broncos are on TV. Like yep. Four out of the first six. And then, yeah, you're right. From weeks, I think week 13, 14, and 15, uh, or sorry, 12, 13, 14, 15, uh, they're like, yeah, on, on, on a night game, on like a primetime schedule. It's, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. 
Uh, but yeah, it, it's great that we're going to get, you know, we get some, some Christmas games this year. Obviously I think Christmas fall, Christmas falls on Sunday this year. Yep. yep. So that's pretty incredible. Um, yeah. I, I think it's good. I think if all these teams are, you know, built up to what they're supposed to be, then it'll all be fantastic. There, I mean, there's a few games on here, you know, see, see the commanders a couple times. And again, <laughs> you have, you have, you do have early season Browns and it's like, did we want to schedule early season Browns games? Uh, like maybe, maybe, maybe wait till like six weeks to schedule these Browns games in prime time, but you know, it's all right. Not the best idea, but we do have also international games. We've got Tottenham Hotspur doing Viking saints. We've got Packers giants there. And then we also have uh, Jaguars Broncos out there. And then we finally get the game in Munich. We get a game in Germany for the first time. Uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks take on Seattle. Apparently, there's a thousands of thousands of Seattle fans uh, in in Germany. Now, the, the more you know. And then we get a, a Mexico City game with the 49ers and the Cardinals. So a lot of good stuff going on on the schedule release, especially around the world. Let's just get to some NFL notes. Interesting stuff really quick before we get to the positional rankings. Uh, Aaron Donald, that whole situation is now being monitored. He says on the I Am Athlete podcast that he is, quote, unquote, at peace with not playing next year. This is like a foregone conclusion. He's going to be on. He's going to be playing next year, no doubt. It's, I mean, we're in the, he's in the middle of contract negotiations. Like he's just playing his hand. He's trying to be, like as, as much as it said that, like when I saw that on ESPN, it was a headline. And then underneath the annotation was X also X says he expects to get the deal done. So it's <laughs> like, we're working on this deal. That's pretty much done. But like, if it doesn't, then I'm not going to, it's like, all right, yeah, come on. We're, we, I get it. You're trying to leverage yourself. You're trying to get your most money. You're going to be the highest played player. That's not a quarterback in the NFL. Totally lame story. And he's obviously, you know, one of the best players ever at the defensive on on defense, you know, so obviously I think they'll, they'll pay it in up. his prime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, I think he'll be okay. Uh, John Lynch saying today, I'd be a fool to trade Debo Samuel that he will not trade him. Honestly, this whole thing just is waiting on Jimmy Garoppolo to be healthy so that they can get his contract off the books that they want to trade him. I really do think at the end of the day, Debo Samuel is probably going to end up on the 49ers. Yeah, no, I think, I think he stays. I, was I also, I, I feel like, Jimmy might just end up getting cut at this point because I don't know if anybody. I just, I, I honestly, I don't know if there, if a trade can hasn't come up yet. Like, are they going to pop up now? You know what I mean? Like I said, I think we're, I think maybe we're holding out for an early training camp injury or something like that. But you know, there's like an OTA injury. But like, I, I just think that they're going to release him just to, again. They got to get the money off the books. And if there hasn't been a trade candidate yet, I don't see one raising their hand now unless it's just going to be like throw them worthless picks their way. I think the question really is what is his health? He did have that pectoral surgery. Uh, so, you know, there is, there is talk about that. Akeem Hicks. How about this signing? This kind of came out of the blue, huh? Akeem Hicks, really great defensive tackle for the bears was a free agent and he signs where else in Tampa, huge shine for the bucks that they are able to switch out and Namak and and get a player that's right now better than him at the same position. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point we've kind of repeated now, like, you know, the big story last year was they kept the exact same championship roster. I mean, they basically done that this year, except for the pieces they lost. They kind of found really good replacement spots. You know, they, they we, we talked about, uh, you know, they're filling on the offensive line um, with Shaq Mason, and then they bring in a key picks to replace the Tom Kinsu. And it's just like, yeah, okay. Like you kind of plugged in those, the two, oh, we didn't resign two of our starters. We brought in guys that are equally just as good, if not better. Feeds into Lewis's narrative that the Bucks are, you know, doing everything they can. I mean, they are right now probably one of the deepest teams in the league. Number eight. Number eight. They're just sneakily signing really good players. Uh, last one here, retirement party. Goodbye today. Frank Gore says goodbye to the NFL after 
he's been actually hasn't played since 2020, but his boxing career has, you know, gone semi well so far. So, you know, uh, Frank Gore, 39 years old, retires with exactly 16,000 yards. Exactly. It's third all time on the rushing list, uh, only behind Emmett Smith. And of course, sweetness, Walter Payton, four time pro bowler started playing in 2005, nine of his 16 seasons had a thousand yards rushing. And he played for, of course, the 49ers. The Colts, by the way, were the last team he did 1,000 yards with when he was 33 years old. He rushed for 1,000 yards with the Colts and then finished up with Miami, Buffalo, and obviously the Jets. Sayonara, man. That guy was a freaking tank all year, man. Never thought we'd see the day where he actually retired. I just, I mean, I thought Franco was constantly going to be in the NFL for the rest of my life. But, yeah, I mean, and, and shout out to I mean. All the fantasy football players out there. I mean, there. I remember when he was still on the 49ers of like taking Frank Gore early rounds. And it's like, uh, is this guy still going to, he's got to be out of the league any minute now. Like I, those talks were going on when he was still on the Niners. And like I said, he went on to play four or five teams after that thousand yards for the Colts. So God bless him. God bless that man. He is a bulk monster. Great with the Miami hurricanes two years ago on those great teams. Uh, nobody, nobody alive. No, none of the kids know about that, but you know, Frank Gore retiring, thank God. And, you know, good for him. And Ryan Fitzpatrick also retiring today at the age of 39 came in the same year as Frank Gore did 10 yards shy of 35,000 career passing yards. But here are the guys that he has more passing yards One: Tony Romo, Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Kurt Warner three Hall of Famers on that list and an excellent, very handsome broadcaster. So, you know, I mean, not too shabby. We remember his 2015 season with the Jets had an incredible year. Um, He played for, these are the teams he played for, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Tennessee, Houston, the Jets, Tampa Bay, Miami, and Washington. Those are all the teams. And, you know, he he went to Harvard. Oh, I didn't know that. That was the first time I heard that. That was the first. I never heard that on an NFL broadcast before. Um, (laughs) I... That's kind of a guy I feel like. Don't you feel like again, training camp injury? Like maybe. There, maybe. I mean, that, meanwhile, there are still those, you know, there's again, there's still the Jimmy G's and the Baker Mayfields floating around for those teams that the early, early season injuries can fill in, but it does kind of feel like, again, you said 10 yards short of, of that that mark that maybe he wants to hit. So he still feels like he could get coaxed back in. I wouldn't maybe. I wouldn't I wouldn't think that he's totally out. Heck, if they're trying to coax Philip Rivers, they're definitely going to coax Ryan Fitzpatrick to come back in the league. No question about that. I hope so. Congratulations to both Frank Gore and Ryan Fitzpatrick on excellent careers. We'll miss the greatest backup quarterback of all time. Uh, Let's get to the AFC East positional rankings. This is fascinating. We do this every year. Uh, We started doing it last year, and I think it really helped us in uh, just understanding the rosters a lot. So let's get to it. We obviously have running backs, pass catchers, defense, coaching, but we start with quarterbacks, right? And we always do. So let's get right to it. And of course, the best quarterback in this Eastern division. I mean, Mike White was unbelievable last year, wasn't he? I mean, he was great. Oh, I'm sorry. Fantastic. Read that wrong. My fault. Uh, The other two first name guy, Josh Allen uh, is going to be the guy obviously on this list. And look, I I don't think, you know, we're going to have a discrepancy on this, but do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Cause I know Josh Allen's your number one. I mean, I'll go first on the Buffalo bills. I'll let you go first with number two on this list. Cause I think that's where things are going to get a little more interesting, but interesting. Um, yeah, not, not, not to mention the fact that they signed, they now have a, a great backup case Keenum. I, I didn't realize yeah. that they had signed case Keenum this offseason. So I think that that quarterback room as a whole now, I mean, Josh Allen would have been enough to take it by himself, but it does feel like now say he goes down with an injury for a couple of weeks. It doesn't feel like their season is dead and lost and hopeless. Like, 
you can have Case Keenum fill in for for two to four weeks at a time if, if Allen's got to, you know, got to got to recover for some lumps and bruises. So, yeah, clear number one. Yeah, definitely number one. Number two, I'm I'm going. Obviously, I think you know where I'm going. The word out of Patriots camp is that uh, is that Mac Jones has, has kind of shedded his little baby fat. You know, like he's kind of a uh, you know he's not mac and cheese anymore. He's a little more al dente now with the mac. You know, I think I think he's he's getting along there. Uh, obviously, a great rookie campaign. That's where I'm going. And really, when I'm comparing these two guys, I mean Josh Allen is where he is, but you know. I think that Mac Jones is on that pathway where he's ascending to be the next breakout guy, the next Burrow, the next, you know, Herbert to, to break out in that way. And maybe some people see it that way and some people don't, but right now intangible wise, I mean, he's on that trajectory. It's a matter of he can either plateau or improve. Interesting. That's, that's interesting. You, Mac Jones did a lot to be a, pro, a prolific passer in his rookie season to, to be, Elevated to that level with 22 completion percentage wise, completion percentage wise, he was very, very good. And, you know, I think obviously in the second year, this is look, this is not a really a passing offense, but with, you know, maybe Bill is cooking something up that maybe he would trust him more this year. I mean, it hasn't trusted anybody enough to run the offense coordinator wise. So maybe it is Mac Jones that, you know, is going to be drawn up plays in the dirt, you know? Yeah, I, I can't wait to get to that when we get to coaching. But now I'm taking into effect here, as as we are with the rest of these positions, is, is the room. So as the quarterback room, I'm going to put Miami second. Because as you mentioned, they do not only have another young quarterback with very similar stats to Mac Jones, which I have to support me, uh, if you would still like to hear. But they also signed Teddy Bridgewater. So again, if Tua isn't the guy or if there's an injury or again, Teddy is more than capable of coming in and running that team versus if Mac Jones is out, do you like trust Brian Hardy to get to the playoffs at all in the slightest? Yeah, he can run the offense. It's a matter of if he can run it well, <laughs> like that's yeah. the, you know? So again, if I'm, I, I did I, again, I'm maybe doing this to troll you a little bit, but if I take in factor, the whole quarterback room, I can't put Miami behind New England. If I look at the mm. top two guys, in those positions. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I mean, I, if we're looking at the real quarterbacks, I mean, it's two up for now. And I get it. Teddy Bridgewater, the room, like, of course, he's a viable backup. He's not going to play. I mean, and if he does play, that means you have a serious problem on your hands. So, you know, to me, again, uh, I'm more comfortable with New England than, than Miami. Um, but I think we both have Zach Wilson. I mean, unless you have Mac Jones behind Zach Wilson or oh, that no. quarterback. I'm not, okay. I'm not that disrespectful because again, <laughs> the second guy on my depth chart for the jets is still Joe Flacco at this point. So that is negative points. That is absolutely negative points. Uh, and then Mike white third. So no, it, it goes Buffalo, Miami, new England jets at the bottom, unfortunately, but only because good division, you know, it's good division this year. Just a quick question on this, you know, Josh Allen, awesome right like really good like we were saying top five quarterback mvp favorite this year mvp favorite this year right to me you know i think what he's done is dispel a lot of accuracy uh you know questions about him but i'll be honest 2020 josh allen was better than 2021 josh allen in in my eyes and you know not that he took a major step back he was still 
you know, really, really good. And they utilized his running game late in the season really well. My question is, you know, we saw, we've seen it with Patrick Mahomes now where Patrick Mahomes has not really gotten better than he was in 2018. Like 2018, he was insane out of this world. Patrick Mahomes was a little down last year. Oh yeah. Is, is this an important year for Josh Allen to kind of like, be the guy and, 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 and cement himself and, and say, Hey, this is my league. Now like Patrick Mahomes has, has the ring. Like he's got the respect. Josh Allen ain't got that ring. And as great as he played in the playoffs last year, I think, I think this is a very important year for him, a criminally underrated, important year for Josh Allen to continue his success. I a hundred percent agree, especially because we now have a new offensive coordinator as well. Again, jumping ahead to the coaching, but he no longer has Brian Dable there. He's moved on to the Giants. So you now have, is he good in every system he's played? Is it is he system quarterback? Obviously, again, hit the level he's at, you don't call that a system quarterback, but can he ever be as good as he was in the Dable system and any other system? It's kind of the, kind of the question to ask. And can he improve his skills? So I 100% agree with you. Right. I think we are looking if if there is regression this year, the Bills will suffer for it like the Chiefs did. And it may be on a minute level, but it's still it, it, where the Bills are compared to where the Chiefs were. Like, that's a big gap. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think it could be a minute, minute level at all, because like, again, like you said, I mean, the Chiefs early, especially like midseason Chiefs. Everybody was very down. It was when Patrick Mahomes was trying to make everything happen. He was throwing a ton of picks. He was, you know going for it all. He was, didn't want to be checked down Charlie. Um, and it affected, I mean, they're, you know, it affected their record a lot. So, and I think again, in this division, which I think is pretty deep, the bills rely a lot on Josh Allen to win some of these games a lot. So if he has a step back, I think it could definitely affect, you know, the just overall season record, their seeding for the playoffs and, and everything else that comes with that. Just be aware that this is a very like, it's, it's important for Josh Allen to have a good season. Keep your radar up. Yes, exactly. Rabbit ears. Running backs. Uh, this is an interesting – this is really interesting because I think this is pretty – like I think outside of Buffalo because I think Buffalo is just not their game to really run the football. They may have some good running backs here. But the rooms, I think, from Miami to the Jets and New England, like I do think that they're pretty comparable in general. But I think there's two at the top that I think, you know – are going to rely scheme wise. And because the Patriots are just so much like are, are so much reliant on the running game and how good they are at doing it. I mean, if you look at this division, is there a better running back than Damian Harris in the division? I don't see one in my eyes. So by that alone, and maybe it's not a huge margin. Who's the next guy? Is it, is it miles Gaskin? Is it Raheem Mo- Is it Brees Hall? Like in the division, like who is it? And uh, there isn't one. It's Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson complimenting him, who did a great job last year. They get James White back. To me, Patriots are number one here. I mean, I can see. I definitely agree with you on the fact that Damian Harris is, is the number one running back. But we, I have a hard time. I have I have Miami number one because of the depth. Mm. Because it's insane. I mean, they have five guys. They legitimately have five guys. Like, you know, two of the ones that they played with uh, last year with with Gaskin and. Um, Ahmed. And then they signed Chase Edmonds, Raheem Moser, and Sony Michelle. Again, Sony Michelle, we were kind of crap on him where, you know, I mean, it, it, exactly. It's like, does I don't want to get, does he even make the team? Is he out of there by training camp? I know. But again, I really do think Chase Edmonds and Raheem Moser. And then again, just having that depth there is massive. But I do have to agree with you that Damon Harris is probably the best 
single running back in this thing. But I do, I do have Miami number one there, New England number two. I and you know, I don't, I'm not going to gripe with you because you're right. It is depth wise. My issue with this is because Harris is, is the best running back here, and then they have Stevens, and now James White comes off injury, and you do have all those guys in Miami. Yes. Miami has speed. They've injected that. Like Moster and Edmonds, both are really good pass catchers and speed guys. Michelle, I'm taking completely out of this equation. And even Ahmed, you know, they don't have a guy that's going to carry them if one of these guys go down. That's what I that's what I really think. Do they have depth? Sure they do. And Miles Gaskin has done a great job as a singular back. He's had to, you know, he's done, he's done his work. To me, it's scheme specific to what McDaniel is going to run now. And just based on the room alone, I think Edmonds and Moster are really, really good ads for them. Moster coming off an injury. Is he going to be able to be 100% there? Edmonds is still kind of that, you know, tandem back, you know, pass catching back. To me, I do think that it's going to really have to rely on how McDaniels uses his weapons with them. I think they're going to be more beholden to McDaniel than McDaniels beholden to them. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's you're getting philosophical. Lot, I mean, no, sorry. Philosophical. Yeah, sorry. You just got you got very like. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they think they fit that that you know they're going to run obviously that same San Fran like outside zone like run style where you need a lot of speed. You need the speed to get to the edge. I mean, those they have the guys to do like that'll beat anybody to the edge as far as from the snap of the ball. So uh, I agree. But then at the same point, I mean, you couldn't have two more like bullheaded slam slam straight head guys and Harrison Stevenson just run the power O with yeah. the two tight end sets. Patriots want to run. So, yeah, it's a fascinating look at it uh, to me on, on the third and fourth though. Um, Jets and bills to me, I'm kind of projecting because I really like Brees Hall. I really like Brees Hall a lot. And I would, I would put that, that room together better than the bills. I just do not see. And, and this is a caveat of Josh Allen is a running back in a lot of ways for them, but you know, I'm not putting him in that room. I'm, I'm going Brees Hall. He'll be the bell cow back. No question. Michael Carter will be there. Michael P Ryan will be there. And I think those guys are serviceable and just more serviceable than the Bills, who are just not very athletic. Outside of Singletary, they're putting a lot of reliance on James Cook to be the next Zach Moss, the more athletic Zach Moss. Um, so to me, I, I put the Jets ahead of the Bills. Yeah, I agree. I just, I doesn't it feel like the Bills have like four of the same kind of guy? Like they have like yeah. four like these guys that are like Cookie not cutter. a lot of not a lot of speed. Yeah, exactly. Can like pull on the ball. Like it just feels like they don't have enough variety versus again like. The Jets now feel like, again, Michael Carter showed himself like being very dynamic out of the past. I honestly don't know as much about Brees Hall as I'm quite sure you do. But, I mean, the the notches, I've, you know, the remarks I've heard of them are very high and expecting. And then, obviously, you have a veteran like Tevin Coleman back there who's yep. we know can do a little bit of everything. So, um, I think that they have a better diversity in the room. So, so I would say that, yeah, I do have the Jets three and then Buffalo four as well. You like those Miami Dolphins, man. You just, you like them a lot. Man. I found out a lot through this process that I might like the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> okay. Suit yourself. Suit yourself. I'm, I'm letting you have it. But I'm not going to argue with you on pass catchers. because All I, right. think I, I, was, I was waiting for you to find a reason to not put them there. No. But I am so, not to mention that they bring in Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Cedric Wilson mm-hmm. is better had better stats last year than a lot of other guys in this league that you might compare him to on these, like these secondary receivers on the other team. He's the third receiver on this team. And I have stats. He's got stats better than 
Corey Davis in the limited sample size that he played, but the targets are all very similar. And the same with Gabriel Davis, who again is, is I would say like the rising, not the, I mean, Jalen Waddle's the rising star in this league, obviously a thousand yards in his first season, but hmm. Gabe Davis obviously had the playoff game against the Chiefs and like had some potential and is now really moving up to that full-time secondary receiver role. But I mean, Cedric Wilson last year was really good for the Cowboys. 45 catches on 61 targets. He caught close to 75% of his passes. Um, Compared to Gabriel Davis was 35 catches on 63 targets. Um, They both had six touchdowns. And uh, Cedric Wilson also had more yards than Gabe Davis. So Hmm. not to mention, he had better stats than uh, Corey Davis as well in his sample size in games. Had a higher catch percentage, had uh, more catches, and more yards. It just, I think Cedric Wilson to go along with Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Mike Kosicki, who's a tight end that almost had 800 yards last year. Pretty damn good. You got a lot of you got a lot of jackrabbits and cheetahs on the on this Dolphins receiving core, and then not to mention Mike Kosicki, who's you know one of the most athletic tight ends in the game. You know, um, it's hard to look at this team and be like. How are we going to cover all these guys? Mike Kosicki had 112 targets last year. That's crazy. That's a lot. That he can't be. 73 for 112. He's 73 on 112. In terms of tight ends, he's got to be up there with, you know, Kelsey and, and, and Andrews. Andrews. I mean, yeah. you know, that's Targets. crazy. And, and the fantasy owners, I felt like, I remember having, I think I had him early season. It was like upsetting. Two touchdowns. That's going to kill you if you got a tight end. He only yeah. had two touchdowns the whole year. So it feels like a fantasy fallout last year, but I would maybe be willing to take the shot again this year as I'm looking at these. these Can't argue with 112 targets. It's going to be the touchdowns. It's hard, though, because now you add Hill in and you know how much attention he's going to grab. But that's what Kelsey did. I mean, he's got to be he could be Kelsey now. Like, that's really what he can be. Uh, Buffalo is my number two. Obviously, I think that's, you know, not really an argument. Stephon Diggs alone puts them in that category. But I like Gabe Davis. I think he could, you know, really have, again, he had somewhat of a breakout playoff game. I think if he puts it all together this year, he's that big possession red zone target guy that you can really throw it to in a tight spot. Um, And and now they add Jamison Crowder, who, you know, whatever you get out of Jamison Crowder, I think, He's going to be that deep threat more where Isaiah McKenzie's more of the, the gadget speed guy, end around screens with him. Um, but they also had OJ Howard. They get a more athletic tight end to go along with Dawson Knox, who's going to be the blocking tight end. I like this. I like this Bills team. If Diggs goes down, though, man, I, it, it could be, you know, they could be relying a lot more on Josh Allen with his legs uh, that they may want to. Yeah, I agree. I also have Buffalo number two. Um, and, and again, Diggs is clearly, again, I think if you take the, oh, sorry, Tyreek Hill now, I would still maybe take, that's a close one. Would you take Tyreek Hill or, or Diggs straight up, like regardless of the rest of the team? Because again, Tyreek Hill does kind of feel like he needs to have a fit in the system. If, yeah. if Tyreek Hill was dropped like on the Jets right now with nobody else, like you, you would rather have Stefan Diggs. Heck, I mean, if Tyreek Hill was dropped on the Patriots, I'm not sure it would work. Yeah. You know, like it, it just because of the way they run, I would rather have Diggs on the Patriots, but still, I think Hill, in terms of explosiveness, like you need explosive page plays. That's how you score. That's how you win football. Games. Yeah. I would take Hill probably. Yeah. But again, the arguments there that Diggs is arguably, the, you know, the, the number one receiver in the league. So, uh, but again, everything that you said, I do think as much as I said that 
Ted Wills had better numbers than Gabriel Davis last year. I think that he definitely has some big, big breakout potential. Yeah, no question. Okay, so now we have one team that has a bunch of young guys that are unproven, and Corey Davis. And we have another team who everybody says has a terrible receiving core and a terrible, you know, like they've gotten better, obviously. But, you know, to me, and I'll just be straight up here, I put the Patriots over the Jets because uh, adding Devontae Parker gives them an actual professional guy who's criminally underrated, has had the, you know, most uh, most contested catches of any receiver in the league over the last two years. And, you know, is a possession receiver that they really, really need uh, that can play that X position. They have the best tight end room in this division. I don't think that's a real question. And, yeah, John U. Smith has got to be better, but Hunter Henry has been really good. And I like Bourne. I like Aguilar to, to maybe bounce back in his second year. And they drafted the kid Thornton out of, out, of, uh, out of Baylor. You know, they got faster and they got bigger and they got stronger. It's more, to me, proven than what the Jets have. Did you just mention Aguilar before Jacoby Myers? Did I just miss you mentioning Jacoby Myers yeah, and all? Like, you know, like it's tough with Jacoby you, Myers. Can, what do you mean? I he love just Jacoby doesn't Myers. score. He doesn't score. You well, know, he's he, a great receiver. He, That's, you know, that touchdowns, you know, that touchdowns are the least repeatable stat in the NFL. It, of course, all chance it is. But, you know, Jacoby Myers, one of the things he does, he's he's a gritty receiver. I, I, I would say that. He doesn't really have the speed to break away from guys and, and get open. But, you know, I think that he gets he gets targets. And when he catches it, he's grinding all the time. I don't think he's uh, he's to me, he's not better than Nelson Aguilar. I, I really believe that. So it's, and maybe Nelson Aguilar didn't have a great season last year. But right now, Myers is the fourth guy on this team. This one's tough. This is where we're really splitting hairs here. Yeah, because like the Jets are just like all second third first year guys and and yeah and that's where and it's just so hard too because who's throwing the ball too it's like Corey davis would have had better you know i'm I'm crapping on his numbers last year but who do you have throwing to him you know i mean clearly he would have had better numbers on a different team i mean it's that's not Corey davis's fault about who's throwing the ball and you can only get him to like a 50 percent catch rate um I will put New England ahead of them. Though. The tight wow, end room, how mature of you? The tight end, the tight end room is what it did. It, it really. I mean, Hunter Henry and Jonathan Smith is is enough to put them over the top with that because again, Elijah Moore great in the second half last year. We've got to see what Gary Wilson is, um, and obviously they bring in CJ Uzoma, but I think he got a little more. Was anybody talking about CJ Uzoma before the Bengals made a run last year? Like, no, nobody's like he was developing, but he was. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, mean, I think he. There's a lot more hype around that name coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. Like, I don't think he's a, a groundbreaking tight end. Can we can we also put some respect on the name of Braxton Berrios, who got a who got a second contract to go play with the Jets and was like playing slot, like awesome guy. Pissed that the Patriots cut him after they drafted him. Like, I would love to have that guy on our team. But yeah, I know I, I think Garrett Wilson could be like just you know how I feel about Garrett Wilson. I love Garrett Wilson. I think he could be a stud this year. A Jamar Chase esque, like really, I believe that. Um, Wilson to Wilson could be a big one. Okay, let's go defense. Um, because you know, there's two at the top of this, I think, obviously, but they've both kind of dealing with injuries and dealing with losing players and you know, moving parts, you know, in terms of you know, who's coaching them. 
Um, you know, Buffalo and New England might have been the best two defenses in the league last year in terms of statistics. But, you know, there's still a lot of moving parts with both these teams. I will say this about every team in this division. Every team in this division has a really good defensive line. Like they understand yeah. that they really need to, to shore that up. So go ahead. Oh, you, uh, damn, you got, I'll, I'll lead off. I, I have Buffalo at number one. Yeah. After that, I have a hard time just even digesting this. I really looking at every roster. I don't, I, I, I just feel like I have a hard time trying to swallow like what these teams are going to look like this year again, because the Patriots, their defensive line. Yes. I mean, even you were down on Matthew Judon at the end of last year though. And I don't yeah. see, I don't love, a, you know, I don't see a ton of experienced guys in that. We talked about the, the concern with the corners. Like, I really don't know where to see the Patriots, like, because of if I'm looking at names on paper, if I'm looking at players, it doesn't look great. But then as soon as I think about who's going to coach them, uh, it's I think it's going to be okay. So it's like, am I ranking these based on the names of the paper or how they're going to play under the coach? You know what I mean? Like, that's where I'm having a very hard time with this. Because then if I'm looking at names on paper, the Jets to me, again, as we talked about in our draft show and our, and our recap, they – you said two teams clearly. I feel like I could put the Jets at number two here with yeah, the I, names on the paper, with the name and, and with also the names. With the yeah. With the names but on also the with paper. the coach, it helps. It helps. It doesn't hurt, you know, but, you know, you want to talk about a coach. Um, the, I, know, I know that's why, that's where I'm like, where am I going to rent? You know, how do I weigh these? I, I have right. a hard time to just, so I have Buffalo and then. I'm right there with the rest of them. So I want you okay. to really So to me, to me, I had a hard time too. I really did, honestly, because the Patriots cornerback situation scares me. Their defensive line position does not scare me. I mean, the Patriots, you know, are they're like the Steelers and the Ravens. They are going to be consistently, you know, coached up and willing to everybody's bought into that defensive front scheme. I'm not concerned about the front scheme at all. Linebacker position, again, still they brought in guys like Mac Wilson. They brought in – I think they're really in the process of kind of changing the way they view that linebacker because we've always seen, like, linebackers for the Patriots be huge, right? Dante Hightower, Kyle Vanoy. These guys are not big. Jawan Bentley's really the only one. You've got Mac Wilson. You've got guys waiting in the wings like Cam McGrone and, you know, dudes like that that we've been all waiting to see the young kids get a chance to play, and they just haven't been able to do it. So, to me – uh, it's guys that have been developing over the years. I know these names, obviously, and, you know, we're going to, you know, get to know them as we go along here. But, you know, that position, the back end help at safety, they're deep, deep at safety. Those those names are really, really solid. To me, it's right now better and more established than the Jets' young talent. Okay. Uh, that's fair enough. Because, again, obviously that's – yeah. Me you know the, the Patriots. They're we're, always team defense. It's never it's never a stud, you know? Right. Again, we're, we're, you know, with the Jets, I'm putting a lot of weight into their corners where you got a new corner in DJ Reed, and then you've got you know a rookie corner in Sauce Gardner. So you've got two guys that we need to see how they're going to develop in the league and how they're going to turn out. And I'm not going to lie, Dan, you naming those two names, you're like, oh, these, lineba- these linebackers that we've been waiting for? I've never heard of those guys, Dan. I, I, you, you read a lot of blogs and everything like that. I was going to say, you know, what you said about the, them going smaller and the safety depth. Like they have Jabril Peppers now too, who is basically fits right between that. And that really, I am excited. Like you were telling me how you think they're going to go with this more like hybrid and really kind of fluid style of defense. Positionless football. Yeah, Exactly. I can, I can see that from them and Belichick trying to be ahead of the curve and being like, again, 
maybe we don't have the best roster, but we are going to get the most out of these players. So it's just, that's where I have a hard time. Again, defense is, is very different to me for like offense where it's like skill can win out right a lot time in offense where it's like, maybe they're not in a great system, but this guy's just so good that he's going to find a way versus like you're a defender that's high end skill, but you're just putting a really bad spot. Like you can get exposed. So well, when we're looking at these defenses, we also have to look at depth. We can't just yeah. look at the top guys. 100%. The Bills, clearly, their starters – and the Bills might have the most deep defensive line of anybody. Like, their defensive line is oh. seven, eight guys deep. They're it, really good. All I can think about is if they just – again, if Josh Allen has a season he's supposed to have, and they get up big on teams, and they, they, they have to throw. I mean, this defensive line is going to feast and get so many sacks when this guy – when they have to drop back every single time and they're dropping back three downs in a row, first, second, third down, these passers are just going to get after it. I mean, look at last year, the Patriots and the Bills, like completion percentage, Bills number one, Patriots number two, defensive yards per attempt, Bills number one, Patriots number two, defensive pass rate, Bills number one, Patriots number two, every single category in major categories, defensive um, with uh, with third down defense, Buffalo was number one, Patriots number five. I mean, they're just like in all these things, it was Patriots, Bills, Patriots, Bills, Patriots, Bills, everywhere you look, top five across the board last year. Are they different? Yes, of course they are. Are the Bills missing Trey White? Probably going to miss him for a little bit. How good is Kyrie Elam? There's your question. How good are the Patriots corners? There's your question. Can those new guys at linebacker come in? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not willing to go with, you know, I think the Jets could be, you know, very, very good on defense, but I'm not willing to put them above those teams because of how well they're coached. Leslie Frazier, coaching that defense and then, uh, you know, Belichick and the toughness factor is a major thing too. Like, you know, they're going to be tough. Now the jets I find interesting because on paper, yeah. Like they addressed the number one thing they needed was the secondary, right? Like they just were the worst pass defense in football. Now you got sauce Gardner. Now you got DJ Reed. Now you got Jordan Whitehead. Now you're a little deeper and even in the starting spot and Bryce Hall is now like is your third corner. That's a good third corner to have. And the defensive line we know is always going to be good. My problem is linebacker. I mean, CJ yeah. Mosley is the only guy it, there. It, it, and he didn't even have, honestly, he didn't even have great. Like his numbers kind of like with injuries starting to pile up for him now, like CJ Mosley might not be who we think CJ Mosley is anymore. He might be yeah. kind of on the decline in his career was what I'm thinking as well. That That's a big void for me, uh, for them as well. And, and again, you can kind of say the same thing. If you want to talk about the last thing we haven't talked about Miami, that would be their biggest as well. Cause again, I, I, I like what they've done in their defensive line. I think that they can, really get after the pass rusher. David Howard can, can keep playing like he is. And then they have, you know, some decent, de- decent depth behind him at corner. So their safe, their, their, their safety position is a little weak though. I, I, I like, just, I, 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 yeah, Miami's another hard one for me on the defensive side. Well, yeah. I mean, again, we're going to depth. If, if one of those defensive linemen in Miami is goes down, who is yeah. replacing, who's replacing Christian Wilkins, John Jenkins, Adam Butler, yeah. like, if one of the linebackers goes down, I mean, I mean, the linebacking crew is really weak and really small. It's a small linebacking crew. So that's my issue with that. I like Xavier Howard and I like Javon Holland in the back. I think he's a good free safety. He's really coming along. But outside of that, I mean, Noah Igbenogany and, and, and Eric Rowe and Keon Cross and, and Byron Jones is going to complete waste. I mean, just a complete waste of contract. So and here's my other thing about them, Matt. You can look at the Bills, the Patriots, and the Jets. All three of those coaches preach one thing, and that's being freaking tough, physical and tough. 
Last year, Flores was that guy. Like they really put Flores emphasized that. And those guys brought into it. Mike McDaniel is a completely different coach. And I know he's not coaching the defense. I understand that. But, but he's the leader of that team. Are they going to buy into Josh Boyer and like coaching that defense? Like, like to me, the most, the biggest loss for the Dolphins is the Florida's toughness factor on defense. Just that alone coming off that. I don't, I mean, if they don't buy into this guy and buy into what he's selling, because it's way, I think they really thought that they were really progressing and that just got ripped out from underneath them. They, this could be a real train wreck for them defensively. I, I mean, again, they do still have Josh Boyer third year as their DC. So he's still, they still have that stability back there with that going on former Patriots guy as well. So yeah. that is yet to be seen. I mean, that's again, that's, that's a lot more, you know, inside the team and inside the locker room. And as far as motivation playing uh, versus again, these, these guys and what they're capable of Well, you know, getting the most out of these guys is kind of, I guess what the coaching is all about. So yeah, that is definitely yet to be seen. I, I think it's possible to keep that floor toughness again with with at least consistency at the defensive coordinator position and, and the guy that was there alongside of him. Maybe he's got to pick up some slack as far as maybe Flores isn't there yelling guys grill versus McDaniel's is there like, hey man, like it's all good. Like you gave your best effort, but he's still he's still a football guy. I know he's a Cali guy, but they can still be tough. He's a, he's a big nerd man. He's got the Yale, nerd he's Cali that, guy that Yale graduate like economics going out to california silicon valley like uh calculating like what we're doing here like and and this is where we're going so i i so we're going bills patriots jets dolphins for me i don't know if that's what you feel but this is i mean this list i feel like could be changed a lot of different ways but what i wrote down was bills jets patriots miami if you wrote it down then it must be what's what i wrote down it's what i wrote down but it's just Fair that enough. was those last those bottom three were like I really could have flipped them anyway. I feel like okay Miami Miami is probably fun. I agree. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and then we go to coaching, and and this is where you know I mean I'll be interested to see I, if if the Patriots coaching coordinators give you a little bit of pause, even though they have the best coach ever on their staff. To me. Yeah, I mean, I basically, if I'm looking at is is head coach OC and DC just Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, because that's basically what it's listed at right now. Is as far as sharp football analysis, what I was looking at, that's basically what they told me. So it's not far off. <laughs> and and I, you're gonna, I know you're gonna scream, but you again, I think, God. but losing Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator can push. The Bills ahead of them. The Bills can get pushed ahead of them, I think, a little bit. Because I just lost their offensive coordinator. I know, I know. But you know who the Bills signed? Joe Brady. How do you what do you think about Joe Brady getting signed as the quarterback? I like the guy who was supposed to be the next head coach, but was stuck behind Matt Rule with a dog crap quarterback, couple dog crap quarterbacks trying to run that offense. He Matt Rule is under the under the uh the heat lamp, so he Mm -hmm. kicks Joe Brady to the curb. And Joe Brady sneaks in as quarterback coach for the Bills. I think this is a big signing for them. Good hire. Joe Brady should have been a head coach this year if he wasn't stuck behind Matt Rule with Sam Darnold as quarterback. It's definitely a good hire. No question. And look, the Patriots lost guys to, to Vegas. They lost more than McDaniels. They obviously, you know, they lost, you know, 
Mick Lombardi and they lost, you know, Dave Ziegler in the front office. Like they lost a lot, they lost more than McDaniels. Um, my, my gripe is, you know, I think people are kind of playing into the idea that there's panic in new England about who's the coordinator and this, that, and the other. And, you know, to me, it's like, look, Joe judge was not a great head coach. He was a really good coordinator in new England, special teams. Patricia was not a great head coach. He was, he was an offensive lines coach and then a defensive coordinator and did pretty well for them. Like, I'm not super overall concerned about what the Patriots do right now. And like, I, I think they have the direction, like everybody puts his emphasis on titles and like, you know, who's in charge. Like Bill Belichick is going to have the final say, you know, whether it's Joe judge calling the plays or Bill Belichick calling the plays. Yeah. Does it make a little bit of a difference? Is Josh McDaniels gone? Like they've lost guys in the past. They've lost Bill O'Brien. They replaced him with Bill Belichick. You know, they lost Charlie Weiss. They replaced him with Bill O'Brien. And they did fantastic with it. I get it. They had 12. Like, that's a huge factor. But Daniel's been the coordinator for nine years. You have to move. You have to move. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that all of a sudden McDermott, who, by the way, you know, talk about McDermott here for a second, too. Like, there's in-game decisions that have to be made by the head coach. And McDermott, let's say it, like, bluntly, hasn't been great in end-of-game situations. Can we say not, that? Not, not ideal. Not ideal. 13 seconds. Like, not ideal. Last year against the Titans. Not ideal. You know, like, not figuring out how to stop a, a team that ran the ball at every single play in, in your building and dealing with the weather. Not ideal. Like, just in big games, this guy is not really – that's a huge part of the coaching factor, too, which is why, of course, I'm going to put Belichick and in, in, in his staff over McDermott and his staff. You know, I think that's – you know, it's not like it's not close. I think McDermott's a great coach, and his team's bought in, but, you know, I think Belichick is just, you know, head and shoulders above this above them, and I think they'll figure it out. Uh, and, and three and four, I'm, I'm just in intents of purposes, I'm putting the Jets and then the Dolphins just because of McDaniel just hasn't coached before. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the whole coaching staff is brand new in Miami. I mean, you've got – so you've got uh, McDaniel's first-year head coach. You have Frank Smith his first year as a coordinator, uh, and he ran the, the Chargers run game last year, which was all of 17th best in the league. So oh. that's that's not exactly uh, fantastic. And like I said, obviously they got um, – they have Boyer, who we said at DC. And one interesting note again, I was going through a lot of all the positional ones. Wes Welker, wide receiver coach in, yep. in Miami this year. How about that? How about your boy? But yeah, I mean, I agree that you got to put Miami last again. You just can't. You have a bunch of new people, brand new to calling plays and everything like that. You can't put them higher than anybody else, especially not Bobby Salah, who again is a, is a coach that we, an underdog that we just really like and we really like to get behind. So, and then we have confidence that the other LaFleur can, I mean, his offense might not be the problem. It might be the personnel. It might be, but heck, you know, at some point, can we get Zach? Like it completely revolves around Zach Wilson playing well. And yeah. can we bridge the gap between Zach Wilson, the young BYU 12 year old looking kid and make him into like a leader this year and have him lead the team. And, you know, like let's be consistent. Cause I really do think like, Salah is trying to change that culture. And I mm. think he's doing a good job, but they're going to be tough. Obviously they're going to play tough. The idea that Zach Wilson becomes the leader of the team because there's no other leader. Like who else is going to lead that team defensively? I guess it's Mosley, but 
or Quinnen Williams or somebody, but they don't really have that leader. And now they got all these young cats. Like now is the time. Push your team. Like be the Dan Campbell of the AFC. You know, yeah. be that. Yeah, again, I think I think we like the potential around it. And you know, second year, I mean, obviously, first year head coach, you're just you're just starting to instill your stuff and, and, and trying to get the team to buy in. And then you get your chance to look at what you have and then readjust in the offseason. So these are the kind of years, you know, these again, these are other things to look at as far as teams willing to make the jump. Okay, second year quarterback, second year head coach is a time to get his guys into place and things like that. This is when teams can change in the NFL as they again. It starts with the locker room. It starts with the with the culture and then the play on the field. Look at the wins that they had. I mean, they beat the Titans last year. The Bengals. Uh, they beat the Bengals last year with a backup quarterback playing. Uh, you know, they took the Dolphins to the brink uh, twice. You know, I mean, like they had some really good games that they played and they won some really against some really good teams. Like there is a lot of potential there. The question is, can the quarterbacks a, stay healthy and be put it together to the point where he's actually developing, learning, making decision, making like his decision. making. We, uh, me and Lewis went to that Jets Patriots game. I mean, God, the decisions were just horrible and, you know, like four interceptions in, in three quarters. That was really tough to watch. So, you know, just progressive. That's all we're saying. So, okay, that's fine. Are, are we, are you putting Buffalo ahead of new England? Is that what you're doing? I won't put Buffalo ahead of new England. I will. Good. I will defer. And I agree. Cause what you, what you said, I was definitely getting bought into like, Oh, there's going to be strife in New England. It's like, there's not going to be like, there's things will be settled down and figured out by week three at the latest. We go through this every year, Patriots in September. Like they're not the same team as they are later in the season. Correct. You know? uh, okay. That's it. Positional rankings. Fantastic. Great job. Uh, we'll move on next week and we'll get through the summer. I think we'll probably go AFC North. Big one. Big this, one. That's a tight one. That's going to be very, very difficult. Oh, man, that's tough because you got like really – every team's got a good defense for the most part. you got some really good pass catchers some, along with this. Some, if you're quarterbacks. Not, some quarterbacks that are really good outside of one team. And then, you know, I think, you know, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. We're going to have to – we're going to have to really figure that division out. It's – man man like i'm excited man like this is the most deep i think we've gone into into this roster kind of you know assessment like i said this is otas for us this is this is like you said it did i did think this definitely helps us it gets us to uh look at these teams kind of fully and not just like you know top level kind of you know storylines you know we're looking at everything that's going on all the moves they made um and it really gets us to get a good grasp on what these teams Potential could be. Got to cut through the bull crap and get to the point. That's what we're doing right here on the Sunday card. Uh, enjoy the finals. Uh, game one tonight. Warriors, Celtics should be a lot of fun. Lewis, uh, you got a game one prediction? Uh, Asking the man to give, give, give uh, a prediction before the game goes out, and this yes. pod's going to come out after the game's I over. Know, yeah. Yes. That's tough. That's tough. Warriors win at home, though. Call it. Okay. There you go. I agree. Fair enough. I have no Very idea. Happy. I, I don't even want to give you an answer, but I'll tell you, Warriors win at home. That's it. It's going to be a fantastic series. Um, Maddie, also, obviously, we're hoping and praying for those blue shirts. No quit in New York, baby. Let's get game two and let's roll to the. Can you imagine a stand? You got to go. You're going hey, well, to game hey, one, right? Whoa, if whoa, they go. Whoa. Hey, hey, don't get. I'm not we, saying we anything. are not putting anything. He's jumping the gun here. But <laughs> if we win game two, 
both feet into the deep end. Oh. <laughs> both feet. If they would came to, and then I got to deal with more than likely Colorado staring me in the face. Oh, that is a, t- I mean, that talk about that series too. Seven, six the other night. I mean, I, talk about no goaltending. I mean, holy cow. The, yeah. Ed, Edmonton, Edmonton might not win a game. I really don't think they will. Wow. They don't, they, they are 50% of the team. They do not play defense at all. It, it, that's going to be, if you like scoring, that's your series right there. That's your series. So we'll look forward to it. Edmonton, Colorado, and obviously the Rangers and the Lightning. going to be a lot of fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. And that's all. We'll be back next week. We'll do the AFC North positional rankings and update on everything going on around the NFL right here on the Sunday card for Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silberth, and our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper, Lou Pericone. I am Dan Zampano. We'll see you next week, folks, on the Sunday card. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silbreth, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season at The Sunday Card. And remember... If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.